And we're going to look at the door of the tabernacle very briefly, and then we're going to the table of showbread and the uh, candle opera, the lampstand, amen, or the menorah, however you want to call it. It's all the same. Okay, Exodus chapter 26 and verse 36. Is everybody there? Okay. This is what we're going to be looking at. First of all, this is the tabernacle door right here. Of course, this is the veil, tabernacle door. Of course, the tabernacle faced, so we kind of get our directions. It faced toward the east. Okay, so it faced this direction, and the back side of the tabernacle would have been toward the west. And then we have the south over here, and we have the north over here. The, uh, you can't see the furniture here, but the candelabra will be to the south which would be over this direction, and the table of showbread over toward the north. But we'll look at that again so you'll kind of know uh, where these pieces of furniture are located. But a couple of verses, verse 36 and verse 37. Thou shalt make a hanging for the door of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen wrought with needlework. And thou shalt make for the hanging five pillars of shodden wood and overlay them with gold and their hooks shall be of gold, and thou shalt cast five sockets of brass for them. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your awesome word today. We ask, God, that you would give us a revelation, Lord, of the truth, that we might understand, God, what you have done for us, Lord, and who we are in your kingdom. We ask your blessing, God, to be upon the delivery of the word of God today. We know it's already anointed, so we ask for inspiration. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. All right. Go to Isaiah, please. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. Prophecy in Isaiah. Approximately 700 years B.C. The Bible tells us there's going to be five pillars that are going to hold up that blue, scarlet, purple, and white tabernacle door. All right, so first of all, let's look at these pillars here. They are overlaid with gold, which speak to us again of what? Of deity. Right? So Jesus Christ was God come in the flesh. So again, these five pillars that upheld this tabernacle door is going to speak to us of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 6 of Isaiah 9. If everybody would please turn there. Because this is one of the most powerful passages of Scripture about who Jesus Christ is. Okay? Verse 6. Is everybody there? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Alright, so this tells us child's going to be born, a son's going to be given. This speaks to us of his humanity. He got his humanity from his mother's side. He got his deity from his father's side. He had a dual nature. So the Father and the Son are not two persons. They are one person, two natures, Jesus Christ. So we see the child is born, the Son is given. He was given at Calvary, of course. And so here we see that His humanity died, not His deity. God did not die on the cross. But the Son died on the cross. And the Son is His human nature, right? The Bible says the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called look at this fivefold wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father 
the Prince of Peace. So Jesus is a child and He's a son, but He's also mighty God and everlasting Father. Now how can He be the Son and the Father at the same time? He has a dual nature. His humanity was the sonship and the Father was the Spirit of God that was living inside of Him. So these five poles, five pillars that are holding up this door who's Jesus Christ declare to you that He's wonderful, He's Counselor, He's Mighty God, He's Everlasting Father, and He's Prince of Peace. So right there, that prophecy tells you exactly who the Lord Jesus Christ is and would be. So you have no reason to be confused about His person. Alright, let's go back over there then to Exodus 26. Hallelujah. I'm glad He wasn't just an angel. You know, some people teach He's uh, an angel, like Michael the archangel. Some teach He was just a man. Some teach He was a, a good teacher, a prophet. But He was more than a man. He was more than an angel. He was God Himself, the invisible Spirit of God. So Isaiah 9 and 6 tells you that. It tells everybody in the world who He is. There should be no confusion, but false doctrine has crept into the church and various religious systems, then they declare that He's an angel or just a good teacher, but He wasn't God. And that's not right. That's not biblical. Okay, now the Bible tells us that this door of the tabernacle, remember Jesus is the door. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Without Him, you can't be saved. So we see, if you'll look in Exodus 26 again, we'll look at the tabernacle door itself. And it tells us in verse 36 that the tabernacle door of the tent is of blue. Say blue. So what is the blue color speaking to you of? See that blue, beautiful blue color in there? What is that speaking to you of? Heaven, right? So again, we, we have in this door a picture of Jesus Christ. He's the Lord from heaven. He is God. And the Bible tells us also there's a purple in this door. Speaks to us of what? What does purple tell you? Royalty. So he's not only the Lord from heaven, but he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. King of kings. Amen? And then the Bible tells us that there's this beautiful scarlet color in there that comes from that red cocos worm, that uh, worm that they crush and get blood and the dye from, you know what I'm saying, the blood from this worm produces a beautiful dye. And that's where they got this scarlet color. Speaks to us of what? His sacrificial death. That He's the, the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. So again, all these things are declaring the Lord Jesus Christ to us. And then this beautiful white that is in there. What does that tell you? What is white? It speaks of purity. It speaks of righteousness. It speaks of holiness. It speaks of sin, sinlessness. So He is the Lord from heaven. He's the King of kings. He is the sacrifice of our sins. And He was perfect without sin. Amen. Now I made a little mistake uh, last week, so I've got to correct this, alright? Last week I said the ten curtains that went over the top here represented divine government. Number 12 is divine government. The number 10 is divine order. Okay, it's not going to change the message, but for those of you who are keeping real, you know, um, good notes, divine order, hallelujah. All right? 
So Jesus Christ, again, was perfectly righteous. He kept the law of God perfectly. And that's seen in this white, beautiful linen color that's in this tabernacle door. So this is the Lord Jesus Christ being lifted up. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He is our sacrifice. He is the Holy One, separate from sinners, undefiled, pure. And they put Him on a cross and therefore He became our sacrifice. Now, His humanity became our sacrifice through the eternal Spirit. So the Spirit of God is the one that offered Him up as a sacrifice. Human hands were involved in it, but the Spirit of God was the one that offered Him up as the sacrifice. Do you understand that? So in order to get into this tabernacle, you've got to go through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way to make it. This tabernacle is a picture of heaven. You can't get into heavens, into the heavens. You can't get in the holy places. You can't get before God without Jesus Christ coming into this world and making a way for you. Amen? So this door is showing that to us. Now go over, back up please. And we're going to look that just inside. Sister Angie is going to flip uh, the picture here so we can see. Alright, over to the south side. Again, this is facing toward the east. This is the western side. This is the southern side, the golden candlestick, candelabra, lampstand, really, menorah with the oil in it. And then over here is the table of showbread. Say showbread. So we're going to be talking about these two pieces of furniture. This is on the north side. This was on the south side. First thing we're going to talk about is the table of showbread. But remember, you can't get into this without going through the door. And the door is the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So we're going to be discussing this table of showbread. If you go ahead, Strange, and take us to the next picture. All right. Did you already do that? Okay, that's the next picture again. Okay, again. There we go. There's the table of showbread with its 12 loaves of bread placed upon it. So let's go back to the Word. Back up just a little bit, please. And in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 23... This is what the Bible says about the table of showbread. Okay? It says, Thou shalt also make a table of shadow wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. Now, this table of showbread here is the exact same height as the Ark of the Covenant inside the Holy of Holies. Okay? Exact same height. And it's made out of the same stuff, shadow wood, Overlaid with gold. Again, deity, shining wood. The wood speaks of his humanity. Right? So it tells us the dimensions of this table of showbread. And then verse 24. Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold and make thereto a crown of gold round about. Thou shalt make unto it a border of a handbreadth round about. And thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. Alright? Verse 26. Are you reading along with me? Everybody should have their Bibles out, please, and read along. Bible says in verse 26, Thou shalt make for it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for places of the staves to bear the table. Thou shalt make the staves of shadow wood, and overlay them with gold, and the table may be, that the table may be borne with them. Thou shalt make the dishes thereof, and the spoons thereof, and covers thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover with all of pure gold shalt thou make them. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. Now, 
This table of showbread right here, as the priest would walk into the holy place, you had two compartments, holy place and then the holy of holies. They would walk in there, and on this table we have 12 loaves of bread called the showbread. This speaks to us of covenant. Covenant. Do you understand covenant? Has to do with relationship, has to do with fellowship with God. So when you ate a covenant meal, then you were saying, basically, I have a relationship with the Lord God Himself. I'm in covenant with Him. And so this is something that would declare to everybody that God was there. And He was at this table. And when they sat, when they, of course, they didn't sit down here. But when they ate this showbread, then they were actually at a table experiencing the presence of the living God. And this showbread right here speaks to us, number one, of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Number two, of His Word. Say His Word. And as they would be eating this showbread, they would take a spoon. The Bible says, talks about the spoons there. And they would offer incense over on the golden altar right here. This altar of incense. That speaks to us of worship and prayer and praise unto God. Alright, so there's the showbread right there. As they ate that, they would offer praise unto God. This speaks to us of the Word of God. So that when you are being fed the Word of God, you should continually and always be responding to it. They, they would never eat the showbread, eat the bread, and not respond with the incense over on the altar. When they heard, or they, we're just bringing in the, the antitype, the fulfillment. When you hear the Word of God, there should be some praise going up. Now, I know there's a lot of churches today that, that when you go to church, it's real formal. And they teach you to sit there and never say a word. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that when you are feeding on Christ, and you are feasting on His Word... There must be a continual taking of incense and saying, Thank you, Lord, and offering praise to Him on that altar. And lifting up of your voice, lifting up of your uh, worship unto Him. So there should be this continual responding to the Word of God. So when you come here, you're going to find out we don't want you to sit there and be quiet. Because that's not Bible. That is not Bible. When you come in this place, it shouldn't be just the preacher's voice you hear. You should be hearing other people's voices around you as they are receiving the Word of God. They should be praising the Lord, saying, Thank you, Lord Jesus. So even in the types and shadows of the Old Testament, we don't have quietness. We have a lot of noise. We have some praise. We have people responding to the Word of God when it goes forth. If a person doesn't respond to the Word of God, it's it's quite clear that they're not priests. It's quite clear that they don't know God. Amen? Because when you know God and the Word goes forth, you cannot sit quietly. It is impossible. And we are priests unto God and only the priests partook of the showbread and offered the thanks unto God. Hallelujah. So, you know, we can tell pretty quick whether or not you are in fellowship with the Lord. By the lack thereof of the opening of the mouth. <laughs> because the dead don't praise Him. Now I know that offends some of y'all. Maybe because you're used to going to a church and sitting there. And you're so quiet. And only hearing the voice of the preacher. That's not biblical. 
if you know the Lord, man, you got, you got some life in you because this bread speaks of life. It speaks of joy. It speaks of miraculous healing for your body. It speaks of, you know, being in fellowship with God Himself. So when you're feasting all of the, all of these wonderful things, you know, you have needs in your life. And the Lord comes and meets a need in your life. Whether it's forgiveness of sins or healing in your body or a financial need is met. Whatever you, whatever He does for you, that's bread. And He gives you so. You know, we ought to be, be thankful for what the Lord has done for us. If, if you're alive this morning. I said if you're alive this morning. It's because God gave you another breath this morning. So as they sat down and enjoyed His presence, I mean, it was a time of joy. Hallelujah. And they had, look at this big old jug of fruit juice. I'm going to call it fruit juice. Hallelujah. The fruit of the vine. And as they ate the showbread, they would drink this fruit of the vine. Speaks to us of what? Well, the blood, the red, speaks to us of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way you could partake of this showbread. And come into His presence was because of the blood. His blood wasn't shed. You couldn't eat the bread. You couldn't be healed. You couldn't be forgiven. And you couldn't be in fellowship with Him. But because of the blood, you had this opportunity. So when you come in here, don't... You know, the devil's going to try to hit you before you walk through the door. I mean, that's why most of the time, when you, if you're going to have a fight, you have it before you come to church. I mean, I know you fight. Don't tell me you don't. I'm, I'm, but you're really going to fight when you're on the way to church. And so, so when you get there, there's no joy and you're just all defeated and you're all whooped. And you, you don't even feel like coming through the doors, much less doing any praising, you know. But this table shows you that when you get in His presence, you're not there based on your own goodness. I mean, now we should be good. Don't get me wrong. But this speaks of imperfect people. This is the 12 tribes of Israel that are in fellowship with the Lord of glory. And those 12 tribes were imperfect people. And we are imperfect people. And when you come in this place, the only reason why you're going to be able to fellowship with the Lord and have some joy, the wine again speaks of joy, is because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. So when you come in here, man, drink the wine. Amen. Drink the fruit of the vine. Let the joy of the Lord just flow in your life. It was a happy time. It was a joyful time. They were fellowshipping with God. It wasn't because they deserved it. It was because of the Lord's goodness and His mercy and His love and His graciousness. And here we are, imperfect people, sitting there and we're in fellowship with the Lord. Amen. So we should have some joy in our lives. And I want you to know there's a lot in this world that will pull it down. But when I come to the house of God, something starts happening in my life. I start getting some joy. I start getting some victory in my heart. Now, let me just first of all deal with the aspect of it. Because there's 12 laws that speaks of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. It speaks of Israel, though, also. The 12 tribes of Israel. This was called the, the bread of faces. Literally, the bread of faces. Very interesting, isn't it? The bread of faces. So that whenever 
They were at this table. They'd look at that and they'd say, you know what? We are face to face with God. See, uh, when you look at me, if you see my face, you know that I'm present, right? If I'm turning away and I'm walking away from you, you see my, the back of my neck, I'm going away from you. But if you see me face to face, that means I'm right there. So the Lord is saying through the bread of faces that I am face to face with you. I'm at this table with you. I'm fellowshipping with you. I'm giving you peace. I'm giving you joy. I'm giving you victory. So drink the wine and let's just have a good old time of fellowship and enjoy a dinner together at this table because the table of the Lord is spread and whatever you have need of, He can take care of it. It's a face-to-face thing. Sit down with your family, you're looking at each other and hallelujah, face-to-face and it's supposed to be, supposed to be a good time. See, so I told, told y'all when we are in Proverbs, a lot of times when you sit down to eat, the wife says, okay, husband, this is my list I got for you for, the, for tomorrow to do, you know? And I want you to do this, and I want you to do that. You need to take care of the kids here. You need and the husband's going, oh, I don't even want to eat with you, man. I'm going, I'm going to McDonald's, you know? The table shouldn't be like that, where you sit down and, you know, you know, give people orders and give instructions about what they should be doing. It should be a time of fellowship. It should be a time where you enjoy each other's presence and talk about some good things and all of that. So God says, come up here and sit with me at my table and we're just going to have a good old time. I'm going to fellowship with you and you're going to fellowship with me. I'm going to be present there and I'm telling you, the Lord is present in this place. He's the bread of faces. He's looking at you face to face. And these, these bread, this bread was pierced. It was pierced. You look at it and hold it up to the light and you could see holes in that bread. It speaks to us the fact that Lord Jesus Christ would be pierced through for us. Amen. Isn't that awesome? He's an awesome God. But you know, this bread right here again speaks of Israel. And the fellowship with God is based on the fact that you have fellowship with each other. You know that God is not separate from His people. That you've got to be a part of His people if you want to fellowship with Him. Lift your hand give God praise. I know people, they, want, they claim to want to know the Lord, but they don't want to know the church. They want to know the Lord, but they don't want to get in a church somewhere. And what the Lord is saying is this, is that I am a one with my people. I am the bread of God. I'm the bread of life. But I'm one with the nation, the 12 tribes. I'm one with my people. So if you want to find me, you're going to have to become a part of my people. And when you become a part of my people, then you will have fellowship with me. But I am not separate and apart from my people. And that's amazing to me because the people of God are imperfect people. Some people say, I don't want to go to church because there's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites there. Well, come join them. And come join them. God needs some more hypocrites in the church. He doesn't have enough. See, we're a bunch of imperfect people, but we come together and Jesus is in the place. And when you fellowship with God's people, you are fellowshipping with God. He's not apart from His people. You're not going to find God at Walmart. You're not going to find him in the mall this morning. You're going to find him where his people reside. You're not going to find him on a golf course. 
You're going to find him in his church. Amen. Now, some of y'all are sitting there saying, well, God's everywhere, isn't he, preacher? Well, yeah, his spirit is, but he doesn't manifest himself the same way everywhere. He manifests himself as a fellowshipping God among his people. With me? A relationship God among his people, not in Walmart, etc. So if you want to find God, you're going to find God in a fellowship way in a church where there are people there. And I, I love this because there's this crown here that goes around the edge. And you know what it's doing? It's holding that bread on that table. How many of y'all ever felt like you was going to fall off the table, man? I mean, you're one of the people of God in fellowship with the Lord. But boy, there's times you feel like falling, right? You feel like you are falling. You're going to slide off that table. Praise God. Well, some people say, the devil is going to knock me off the table. Well, the devil can't knock you off the table. Somebody else, some person might knock you off the table. Somebody, yeah, I don't like that person in the church, so I'm not going to go to church. Well, they, they succeeded in knocking you off the table, man. Right? Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? See, people are so, they're so mixed up. They're like a termite in a yo-yo, aren't they today? I'm not going to church because I don't like that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder who's in fellowship with God. The one that came to church, the one that stayed home because they didn't like the person. But thanks be to God, there's this crown that goes around. It's a hand's breadth. Uh, the Bible tells a hand's breadth and distance, okay? So this speaks to us that we are held on the table, held in the church by the hand of God Almighty Himself. Nobody... Nothing shall be able to pluck them out of his hand. I'm in the hand of Jesus Christ. And nobody can pluck me out of his hand. The devil can't pull me out of his hand. You can't pull me out of his hand. Nobody can pull me out of his hand. The only, listen to me. The only thing that's going to get me off the table and get me out of fellowship with God is myself. But nobody can pull me out of his hand. No devil, no person, no anybody. All it is, all it is is a bunch of excuses. Here's, I'm not going to fellowship with that group of people. You know, I'm going to quit going to church. It's just excuses. That's all it is. I'm going to tell you right now. Because that person that was in church that that other one didn't like didn't get him off the table. And the devil didn't get them off the table. They chose, for whatever reason, they picked out of the sky to leave God's people and to leave God's fellowship. But I'm here to tell you today that if you decide, I'm going to be there no matter what. God's hand's going to hold you in that place. He's going to keep you on the table. And you're not going to be able to fall off the table because He is the one that has you in His hands. Now look. It's got a crown around it crown speaks of what oh he is king of kings and lord of lords and because he reigns in power and strength his hand can keep me in the church 
The Bible says He is able to keep me from falling. I trust Him today. I'm not holding on, really. I'm not keeping myself. He's keeping me. I remember, uh, have y'all ever seen a, seen a baby when it's, when it's awake? You know, and it's holding on to the, to the shirt or whatever, the, the coat of the parent, real tight, you know, like the baby is holding on to the parent, right? And if they let go, they're going to fall, right? And that baby's mind thinking, boy, I'm holding on to mama. I'm holding on to daddy. And all of a sudden it goes to sleep and its grip lifts off like that. Who's holding who? The Lord is holding on to you. See, we think we're holding on to Him. You know, just by our strength. Oh, yeah, by our strength. I'm not saying that we don't put forth an effort. That's not biblical. But I'm saying what keeps me in this is not the fact that I've got a tight grip on God. It's because God's got a tight grip on me. And if I go off to sleep, He's going to hold me. Because He rules. And he reigns. Oh, hallelujah. And there's no devil more powerful than my king. And there's no battle that my king can't win. So right now I'm on the table and I'm surrounded by his kingship. I'm surrounded by his hands. And he's keeping me in this thing. Praise God. If it wasn't for God, I'd have been gone a long time ago. If it wasn't for God, you'd have been gone a long time ago. But he's kept me on the table, thank God. And I have fellowship with him. And he has fellowship with me. That's awesome when you think about it. Having a relationship with God himself. I mean, there's probably a lot of neat people in this world you might like to have a relationship with. But there's nobody like Jesus. And that's all a picture of, of fellowship and being in His presence and loving Him and He loving me. And my imperfections are what blow my mind. Is that God is willing to fellowship with 12 tribes who are very imperfect. And the fact that He would be willing to fellowship with me just blows my mind. With all of my weaknesses, with all of my imperfections he said just just slide up here to the table i made a way for you just have a good old time amen enjoy see that's why when you come to church you should be celebrating it's a time of celebration and even today we have in the new testament a covenant meal that we sit down or not sit down many times but we stand here in the front we take the Lord's Supper, the body, repre- the bread represents His body, right? The, the juice that we drink represents His blood. And what are we doing? We are renewing the covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're examining ourselves and we're asking Him to forgive us our sins because we want that fellowship with Him. I'm telling you, it's an awesome thing to be in fellowship with God Himself. So that's what that speaks of. But everything He does for you, if He heals your body, that's the bread. It's the bread. You know what? Angels feast on Him. You know that? He's the bread of heaven. Angels feast on Him. I feast on Him. I'm satisfied. Let me tell you a story that's in the Bible. There was a woman who was a Syrophoenician woman. She wasn't even an Israelite. She wasn't even in covenant with God. And she had a daughter who had a demon spirit in her. 
The scripture says that one day she went up there and she wanted the Lord Jesus Christ to go and cast this demon out of her daughter. The Lord looked at this Syrophoenician woman, this Gentile woman, and says, I can't take the bread, the children's bread, and give it to the dogs. The children, what he's, what he's saying there is that right now, I'm the bread of Israel. I have a ministry to Israel right now. I'm working among them. I'm not moving really among the Gentiles right now. Are you with me? So I can't take the bread of the children. I can't take the bread of Israel and give it to dogs. That's the way Israelites looked at Gentiles as dogs. So I can't take this bread of Israel and give it to a dog. Most of us would have got offended and run out of the church. He called me a dog. I'm telling you the truth. I know what I'm talking about. And Jesus said, look, he's literally calling her a dog. Oh, but she had some faith and she had some wisdom. And she said, but master, even the dogs eat the the crumbs which fall from the master's table. I might be a dog. But I'm a house pet. And I've seen what they do. They take bread and they clean their hands and throw that bread off off into the floor there so the dogs can come eat. The little house pets can come eat. I might be a dog, but I'm a house pet, Lord, and you're the master. He said, just give me a little crumb. That's all I need. And would you believe that that spirit was cast out of her daughter right there in that moment, in that time? By crumb that fell from the master's table. So, you know, yeah, let me show you something. See, we get all excited about demons being cast out, you know. I'm telling you, if you, if some of you went and, by the power of God and got cast out of devil, y'all come to church, man. Oh, but I... Devil got cast out of that person. A demon got cast. Y'all be celebrating. You think that's the ultimate thing? It's for a demon to be cast out of a person. But the way the Lord looks at that, it's just a crumb. He said, it don't take the whole loaf to cast out a demon. It just takes a crumb to cast out a demon. It's not hard for God to cast out a devil. It just takes a little crumb. And she said, Lord, even... The dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And I want you to know that crumb went straight to that possessed daughter and drove that spirit out of her and she was made whole. Now this is awesome. Because this Gentile did not really have a legal claim to the Lord. Because she was not in covenant as Israel. That's why the Lord said that. See, Israel was supposed to be in covenant with with the Lord. And based on that grounds of covenant, they could get miracles and everything they needed, God would supply for them. But this Gentile's not in covenant with him. You with me? Come on. Let me give you an example. Some of you are baptized in your name and filled with the Holy Ghost right now. You know what? God's bread, His whole loaf, everything He is, you can experience in Him. He wants to give you everything. He wants to supply every need. He wants to be to you whatever you need in your life because you're in covenant with Him. If he'll do it, do that for a woman, 
who wasn't in covenant with him. What will he do with the people of God who are baptized in his name and filled with his spirit? He'll give you the whole bread. He'll give you the whole loaf. We don't have to ask the Lord for a crumb. Most Christians I know, they're, will, they're willing to satisfy with, be satisfied with less than a crumb. Lord said, no, I'm a, I gave you the whole loaf, man. If he'll do it for that woman, what will he do it for you? You know, you need to walk in this world with some faith and some confidence about you. And it's not the people of the world that you supply. It's God himself that you supply. And you need to get your eyes on him and not on the supply of this world. He simply uses this world to supply your needs. Don't look to the world to be that supply. Look to him to be that supply. But you're in covenant. So God wants to do more for you than you want him to do for you. Do you believe that today? Oh, we walk through. I'm just glad to be a Christian. If I get to heaven, I just hope, you know, if I got to crawl in, I'll be happy. Come on, God has something better for His children than that. My little girl doesn't have to crawl on her knees into my house. She doesn't, come on, she doesn't, I'm not going to give her just a little crumb of bread to eat. She's my daughter. I'm going to give her the very best I can. And I'm not going to spoil her. God doesn't have any spoiled children. He doesn't have any spoiled children. He's not going to spoil you, but He will take care of all your needs. And most of us walk through life, well, God, I'm just thankful that you, you know, gave me a crumb to eat when He's got a big old table spread out there for you. He says, come on, pull up and eat. I, read, I heard a story about this man. How many of y'all ever been on a cruise? I know I got one family that has. How, anybody else gone on a cruise? Oh, couple of them? Well, he's special. You people who've gone on a cruise, y'all tell me, isn't all the bread and all the food supplied in the package? Well, I heard about this man who saved up uh, his money so he could go on this cruise. You know? He went and paid for the cruise. He got on the ship. He was so excited because he was in, on the ship. He packed his lunch, put bananas and sandwiches in his sack says you know I just barely had enough money to, to be able to get on this ship I didn't have enough money uh, to buy food too and he'd go up there and he'd look through the windows he'd see all those people sitting at the table and they were eating all that delicacy man I mean the best he said boy I wish I could get in there and eat that but I, I don't have enough money I'll just go over here and sit down with my sack lunch and he'd eat it well come to find out that came with the package. All he had to do is walk in there and sit down at the table and chow down, man. But I'm telling you, that's the way Christians are. You're in the family of God and you're taking your little sack lunch with you and you don't realize that the abundant blessings of God are for you. All you got to do is pull up at the table and fellowship with Him. He wants to do more for you than you can even imagine. telling you man my God owns the whole thing 
And he'll bless you and bless you and bless you and bless you as long as you're, you know, fulfilling his, obeying his word, meeting the requirements. God wants to bless your life. Hallelujah. But you're the people, we are, we are the people who have a sack lunch. And the Lord said there's a table spread. I've heard many times people, uh, one, one particular instance, a man was in the streets, living in the streets. And a relative, a rich relative of his died. And they spent, and he, guess what? This man that was living on the streets was in the will of that rich relative. Made him a millionaire. So they started looking for this man. For years they looked for this man. They finally found this man. And just before they found him, he died a pauper. And the whole time, he was a millionaire living in the streets. And I'm telling you this morning, that's the way the children of God live. They live like a pauper. God's made them rich through him. But we want to live on the streets. No, realize our Father owns everything. So that's what this table is telling you right here. And that woman said, all I need is a crumb. He said, to those that are in covenant with me, I'll give the whole bread. Just give me a crumb. God is willing to give him a crumb. Hallelujah. I mean, that was pretty awesome, just a crumb. That was a miracle. I said, that was a I know what I'm telling you, you need to hear. Because you don't believe it. Because if you believed it, you would be responding to it. You'd be putting up some incense on that thing saying, thank you, Jesus. It's not going to happen overnight, man. You got to keep trusting him. You got to keep, you got to stay at that table. You got to give God time to change your situation. You can't throw up your hand and say, well, it don't work. I tried him for six months and he don't work. Stupid. Oh, I'm trying to refrain myself. I'm trying to. I really am, Brother Mark. I'm really trying to learn to stop saying that word. Anybody that puts God on a time frame and says, God, if you don't change it, if you don't work it out in this period of time, is. You can't do that. You got to keep going to the house. You got to keep fellowshipping with his people. You got to keep knowing him. That's the greatest miracle is knowing him. Not everything he does for you. He just does that on the side. Hallelujah. Fellowship with him. Can you imagine that? A relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Having eternal life. If he never does anything for you in the, in the material realm again, he never straightens anything out for you, listen to me, at least you have eternal life with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I mean, that's something. But people will get off that table, they walk out and say, it, it wasn't real. I'm going to tell you something today. This Holy Ghost salvation, it's real, it's real, it's real. That song we sing, give me that old time religion. 
Yeah, yeah. How many of y'all heard that old that song? Give me that old time religion. It was good enough for who? Out and yeah. Who else is good enough for? For me, it's good enough for me. Give me that old time religion. Hallelujah. I thank God for Pentecost. I thank God for a relationship. I have problems. I have difficulties just like you do, man. But God's holding me on the table. <clears throat> and I'm still here. God's a good God. He said to those that are in covenant, I'll give you the whole bread. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. This is very interesting though. This Gentile woman who had no rightful claim on the Lord for a miracle, for any bread at all, said, give me a crumb. But here's the Lord. He is so awesome. He knows what He's going to do in the church age. He knows that when He came to His own, come on, and they, you know, He said, here I am, the bread. That would be in the church age. The majority of believers would be Gentile and not Israelites. So you know what the Lord of glory did right there with that Syrophoenician woman? He said, you don't have any legal claim on me covenant-wise. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to step into another dimension. I'm going to move into another dispensation. It's called the church age where Gentiles are going to be healed. And Gentiles are going to be saved. And Gentiles are going to be healed. I think I'll just move into that dimension right now. And I'll give you a little taste of that which is to come. I'll go right in the church age right now. And I'll give you a taste of what it's going to be all like. I'm going to let you taste what's going to happen to Gentile people. They're going to get healed. Demons are going to be cast out of them. They're going to be saved. I'm not limited to time and space or dispensations. I'm God. I'm the God of glory. What an awesome, awesome God He is. Aren't you glad He came? And when Jesus came, He showed. This is the showbread. He showed us God. He said, I'm God. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am God. Hallelujah. Look at God weeping at times. Look at, look at God showing compassion at times. Look at God being merciful at times. Look at Jesus Christ. That's the way God is. He said, I'm going to show you God. I'm the showbread. That's going to bring in covenant. That's going to bring in fellowship. That's going to supply your needs. I'm going to be your father. And you're going to be my children. And I'm going to be in a covenant with you. And whatever you need, all you got to do is ask. Just And some of you have a spirit on you right now. That I might just have to take a little crumb and say, Come out of you. Come out of her. Come out of him. In the name of Jesus. Come out of them, you... You spirit of bitterness. You spirit of animosity. You spirit of, of hurt. And you spirit. It doesn't take anything for us to handle demonic spirits. 
in the name of the Lord Jesus. He's given us authority. Praise God. And that woman walked out and she was happy because she received a miracle. And I want to tell you something. You can't get offended by everything Jesus tells you. You got to hold on to your faith. Even if, listen to me, if the Lord comes to me this morning and says, Dog, I can't walk out here like some people do. That is just totally crazy. She said, you can call me a dog. You can call me stupid. You can call me whatever you want to call me. But I'm going to get my miracle. And that's why, listen, that's why she got what she got. That's why she got her miracle. Because she refused to be offended by anything. You're going to have to have a faith. It doesn't matter what the Lord says to you. It doesn't matter how you're treated. You're going to have to have a kind of faith that'll say, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. He said, I haven't seen faith in Israel like on this sort. God can be touched by faith. This should be giving you hope today. You'll exercise your faith. Even if you're not in covenant right now, you can get a miracle. You don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the Holy Ghost to get a miracle. All you have to have is faith. I know people all the time, they get physical needs met, financial needs met, all kinds of things. They're not in covenant with God, but they believe God. So how much more His people today? How many people of God I got in this place? He's got the stays. Say, take it. Take me to all the world. The world's hungry. They're in pain. They're hurting. They have great need this morning. Jesus is the only one that can meet the need. But you're going to have to move by faith. Come on, are you with me? See, God has given me some words this last week about my own life. He gave me a word the other morning in prayer. Trust! I said, God, okay. I'm not feeling too good right now emotionally. Have you ever had emotional breakdowns? I'm not feeling too good right now emotionally or physically, God. But the word came to me, trust me. And I said, okay, God, that's my word for today. I'm going to eat on the bread called trust today. I'm going to get that loaf called trust. And I'm going to feed on it, God. And I'm going to say all day long, I will trust in you, Lord. I put my confidence in you, Lord. And not what I'm going through. Get a promise out of this word. Let God speak that promise into your heart and go all day long saying, God, you spoke to me this morning. I'm going to take this word. This is a word for me today. I'm going to feast on that word all day long. And the next morning, I went to church for prayer, came to prayer. Okay, God, uh, you told me to trust you yesterday. What's the word today, Lord? He said, I love you. Now, for, you, for some of you, that's not hard for you to believe. But for me, that's hard for me to believe that Jesus actually loves this person. So I walked out. I said, oh, God, you love me. 
He said, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Not thoughts of evil, but thoughts of good. I said, God, thank you, Lord, because I don't deserve it. And I know it. I, I, I'll tell you what, I was feeling like I had one step in hell and one step out. I said, but God, thank you today that you look at me and you have thoughts, good thoughts towards me, not thoughts of evil. And I know you love me this morning. It doesn't matter how I feel, Lord. You love me. So I walked out with some bread in my mouth. And it was the fact that Jesus loved me and he wants to do some good to me. But you need to feast on that bread. You need to feast on his word. You need to get a promise. You just say, Lord, yeah, I believe today. This is for me today, Lord. I have a need today, but I have an answer today. And it's in your word today. And walk out with that in your heart and in your life. And watch what God is going to do. He's awesome. Give God praise. What do you have need of this morning? What do you have need of? Fellowship. Take the bread. It's already there for you. Just take it. If it doesn't happen, it wasn't good for you. Do you understand that? Don't get bitter and mad about it. Just say it wasn't good for me. Give God the praise. You see this? We have fellowship with one another. Twelve loaves here. Uh, man, I got to go on. I got to get to the candlestick. But let me show you this. Have you ever known? We, each Sunday or each, each service, I should say. We go and we greet one another in the name of the Lord. You, you with me? And most of the time, <clears throat> it's a pretty pleasant situation. I mean, it hasn't broken out into a fist fight or a brawl yet. Thank God. You know how you used to be when you're in the world? Somebody looked at you wrong? <laughs> Who are you looking at? me? What you looking at? What you looking at? Oh, tell me that some of us don't come to church that way. It's amazing to me that we can walk around this church and say, Hello, how you doing? God bless you. Good to see you today without somebody getting into a fist fight. Over a, you, you did, I don't like the way you looked at me. Oh, come on. I know what I'm talking about. I, I get calls. But I don't like the way they looked at me, Pastor. I don't like the way they talk. I don't, oh, yeah. <laughs> come on. Do you know that when we go, listen to me, it might seem like something that is insignificant to you. When you go to one saint, to another saint, and you say, God bless you, and I love you, and you are intermingling together in fellowship, that is very powerful. It might seem insignificant, but it's very powerful for that to take place. For that to take place, you have to have the candlestick. Go to the next one, please. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Do you think that that would work in every church? Come on. It works here because the Spirit of God is here and people are happy. They got the Lord in their life and we're a part of a family, the family of God, and we love each other. But if I were to go in some church, I'd say, uh, would you turn around and, and tell them they, that you love them and give them a big old hug and go from place to place and tell them hello? You know what? They would turn around like wooden Indians. They wouldn't know what to do, man. 
But it's amazing that you and I can move among each other and mingle freely among each other and not feel intimidated by that. That's the fellowship of the bread. But you can't see the bread at the table without the light of the candle. You need the bread of God's word. You need the truth. Moses was given the pattern. But he was not just given the truth or the pattern. He was given the spirit. You don't need just the pattern. You need the spirit in the pattern. You can't see the bread. You can't see the word. You can't understand it without the spirit, without the light. So you've got to have the spirit of God in this place in order for you to have fellowship in the place. Do you understand that? Isn't God good? The Bible says we worship, we worship in how? Spirit and in truth. We need the word, but we need the spirit in this place. Then we can sit down together at that table and fellowship with each other and with God as a family. Oh, some of y'all, I feel something on you. See, you need God so bad. You didn't realize how much you needed God. You're still carrying your old self with you. I come up to, every once in a while, I come up to some of y'all. You know, who are you, man? You know, you kind of throw up your own nose like you're big time. You ain't nothing. Reach out your hand and take my hand right now. Jesus. Yeah, I'll I'll have fellowship with you. I'll cast that devil out of you and then I'll have fellowship with you. I'll cast that attitude out of you and then I'll have fellowship with you. I always get an attitude with people who have an attitude. As long as you don't have an attitude, praise God. You get an attitude tonight, this preacher gets an attitude, man. I get an attitude against your attitude. You won't win, I'm going to tell you. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? See, there's more to it than just us walking around and saying, Hello, how you doing? God bless you. I love you. You couldn't do that if you didn't have a spirit in the place. I know what I'm talking about. I've been in Pentecostal churches where there wasn't a spirit of of liberty in that place. You walked in there and you felt death all around you. There was no life. There was death all around you because there was division and fighting and fussing and bittering. I hate this one and I hate that one. And we're going to do this and no, I don't want to do that. And nothing but animosity in that house. But I'm here to tell you today that the spirit's in this place along with the truth. That's why you come in here and there's liberty, there's freedom and you, and you feel comfort, comfort of the Holy Ghost. But I've been in places, man, there's no life, there's no spirit, there's no victory, there's no joy. Nothing's there because, listen to me, they got the truth, but they don't have the spirit. And they need a preacher in that pastor in that pulpit that's going to clean in some house by the word of God and get some attitudes out of that place. You've got to have the light in order to have the table. Because you can't eat at the table. If you don't have the Spirit, give God praise. (laughs) 
What's that song? Makes you love everybody. Yeah. You know it, brother? How's it go? You don't know? He just said yes to me. He don't know. I like Brother Daniel. I can preach anything here. Doesn't matter if it's wrong or right. Yeah. That's why he's my friend. <laughs> he's not just a saint to church. He's my friend. <laughs> All right, let's look at this golden candlestick. It's very powerful. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad for the fellowship? Look. All right, thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold of beaten work shall the candlestick be made his shaft his branches his bowls his knobs his flowers shall be of the same amen it's going to be pure of gold and they're going to beat it hallelujah they didn't have a machine shop to go and build it they took hammer how many of y'all have ever took and taken a hammer and tried to hammer something out with a hammer out of aluminum or whatever out of metal you try to hammer it out you can't control it very well can you just goes everywhere but you know what they took this solid piece of gold and they beat it with hammers and they hammered it out every little bitty area it's all been beaten out and it was perfect when it stood upright only God could do that he equipped those men by the Spirit. He anointed those men by the Spirit to make every piece of furniture. And they, they made this out of, with a hammer. Solid piece of gold, man. Awesome, isn't it? Look, what the Bible says. It's got all these different knots. And let me show you. Uh, this really isn't the greatest picture. But, anyway... Let me read it. Because I really can't go too much by that. It says, all right, first of all, his shaft, his branches, his bowls, his bowls. Yeah, his bowls, his knobs, and his flowers. All right, let me just. In the bowl was an almond. And the top of the almond was the flower. Say an almond. Tree. So the, this candelabra here. I'm just going to call it the menorah. Was made out of beaten gold, but it's depicting an almond tree. With a bowl, a half almond, and then a whole almond in the inside, and a flower, a budding flower on the top of it. And every one of them, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, 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 three. Nine, three, 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 nine, eighteen, and four here, twenty-two. You with me? Ah, it's beautiful. I'm gonna keep reading. I'm not gonna tell you everything right now. You see it? If you were to take the shafts and the different pieces, put them all together, you got sixty-six. Right? right with the six shafts and the different. Different pieces that are described, the knots, the flowers, the, the bowls, etc. You'd have a total of 66 pieces. Okay? Now, look. So the Bible says, 32, six branches shall come out of the side of it. Three branches of the candlestick out of the one side. Three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. Three bowls made like into almonds. See that? With a knop. 
That's that solid almond. The fruit. Y'all like, I like the King James, the knobs and the... It's the almond, the fruit, and a flower, a budded almond. In one branch, and three bowls made like almonds in the other branch, with a knob and a flower. So in the six branches that come out of the candlestick, that main shaft, in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like in the almonds with their knobs and the flowers. So we got four here. See? Three on the other shafts coming out. Got it? Are y'all with me? Okay, let's keep reading. Bible says, uh, 35, verse 35, And there shall be a knot under two branches of the same, and a knot under two branches of the same, and a knot under two branches of the same, according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick. You'd have to have the Holy Ghost just to know what. What if God gave you this instruction to sit here and build this? Verse 36, Their knobs and their branches shall be of the same. All of it shall be beaten work of pure gold. Say pure gold. Solid gold. Beaten out with hammers. Thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof, and they shall light the lamps thereof, that they may give light over against it. That's on the south side. With me? And the tongs thereof, the snuff dishes thereof, shall be of pure gold. Oh, snuff dishes? What are you going to do with them? Of a talent of pure gold, uh, a talent of pure gold shall he make it with all these vessels, and look that thou make them with after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. Are you with me up to this point? So let's deal with this as a whole. Praise God. One solid piece of gold made out of one talent of gold, hundred to hundred twenty pounds. I need blinders. I tell you what y'all do. Y'all, would y'all go buy me some blinders? I'll put blinders on. I'll preach up here so I don't see what in the world y'all do out there. Y'all do some of the strangest things. I'll look up there and see y'all doing all kinds of weird stuff, man. Just bring me some blinders that I can't see. Hallelujah. Some of y'all really pulled up to the table this morning. It is beaten. Why is it beaten? It's, all right, what's the gold? Deity. Jesus was God. He was hammered out and beaten. He was beat in the face. He was beat in the back. He was beaten all over. You understand? Jesus Christ. It is because he was beaten that we have light, that we can fellowship at the table. If he wasn't beaten, we wouldn't have the glory. And I already told you Wednesday night, he, oh, we had an awesome service Wednesday night. Awesome teaching of the Word of God. Awesome Word of God, I should say. If you weren't here, you just missed your lunch. That's all I could say. But remember the prayer that Jesus prayed. He said, Father, glorify the Son. So the light that comes from the candlestick is the glory of God. But before the glory of God, before the Spirit could be poured out, He was going to have to be beaten. He was going to have to be crucified. He was going to have to be nailed to a cross. And then the glory could be seen. The light of God could be seen. 
Do you understand that? Praise the Lord. Each one of these inside the bowl, the fruit. We've already, I'm going to share something we, I shared with you a couple weeks and that's ago, but that's all right. Hallelujah. This fruit that's in there, it's solid, it's round. It hasn't opened up yet. And the fruit's on the, I mean, the, the flower's on the top. Okay, are you with me at this point? That speaks of Calvary. Speaks of his death for us. Glory that we should follow. You understand? That pouring of his spirit upon all flesh. But it also speaks of the resurrection. Say the resurrection. Because a dead Savior won't do you any good. You've got to have a living Savior. So he was beaten, but he lives. And the almond is a resurrection tree. It's the first tree that if you come out of winter, it's the first tree that puts forth its leaves and puts forth the flowers on the tree. It's called a resurrection tree. In the book of Numbers, God said, take an almond branch and put it inside of the Holy of Holies. And we're going to find out who is the priest of God. Because that dead branch that has no root upon it is going to come alive. And write Aaron's name upon one of them. And come on, are you with me? And also put names of others on there. The Bible says they took it in the Holy of Holies. And guess what? The rod. The Aaron branch. The branch that didn't have a root, that was just a limb off of a tree, began to put forth fruit, began to put forth leaves. It came alive. So God said, Aaron shall be my priest. So we have this picture then of this resurrection tree. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. And when he came out of the grave, he was the high priest. And as the high priest, he now represents you and I. You turn to Revelation chapter 1. And the Bible says that he's seen standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. There's our high priest. Which tells me today, he's in this church right now. He is standing in this place right now as my high priest. He died as a lamb, but he rose as high priest. To represent you and I. And there he is in the book of Revelation. And those seven candlesticks represent the seven churches. So you got seven different menorahs that are there. And he's standing there in the midst of all of them. He says, he's in the church. I say, the Lord's in the church. You understand this now? Death and resurrection. Because of that, we have the light of the world. And who's the light? God. John. First John says, God is light. All right now. Praise God. How y'all with me up to this point? Now, we have again a bowl, and we have a piece of fruit in the top of the bowl that hasn't been opened, and we have the flower on top. See that? It is believed that every one of those piece of fruit, three on this side, three on these, a uh, total of nine here, nine here, uh, four in the middle, 22, right? What did they have inscribed upon them? Letters of what? The Hebrew alphabet, 22 Hebrew letters of the Hebrew alphabet, so that when the high priest walked in there, he wanted to get direction. What did he do? He wanted to get direction from God. 
He'd walk in there before in the holy place before that candelabra. Now, there's oil right here, oil right here, oil right here, oil in all the top of these things right here. And there's a little wick that sits in the top and it burns. Now, some say seven. I don't know. Seven in each one. But I know at least one. Did that confuse you totally? <laughs> oh, I get going. I don't know. Say wicks in the oil. And oil in the wick. Who's the wick? You are. You are the wick. You got to be in the oil, and the oil's got to be in you if you're going to shine brightly. Okay, so that high priest walk in there, and let's say, I didn't, praise God, the wicks were burning. And he'd walk in there, hallelujah, and what was, there was a urim and a thumbing, right? Sometimes just a urim, no thumbing. We went through that and explained that to you before. You know what I'm talking about, right? Two stone-like things that showed them the will of God. And if it was a yes, some, some say that they light it up. And if it was no, they just darkened. So they could find the will of God through Urim and Thummim, these two stones. It was in the ephod of the high priest. There were times when the high priest walked in. And to get the revelation of God on that Urim, or that Thummim, he'd walk in there. And God would spell out by the flickering of these lights upon... Come on. Come here. Somebody stand up, please. Okay. He walks in. All of a sudden, that light of that candlestick starts hitting either the, the Urim or the Thummim or his breastplate with the stones that were under the breastplate. And it would reflect off of that breastplate. And God would use the light that reflected off the breastplate to go over there and hit one of those letters on the golden candlestick and spell out His mind and His will for those people. God is awesome. Now don't tell me He doesn't want His will to be known today. He wants it to be known today. Praise God. All right, everybody with me now? Up to this point. Now, within this, this is the main shaft. Say the main shaft. Oh, hallelujah. In the Jewish mind, this main shaft was the servant of the Lord. You believe that? Say Jesus. That, that's Jesus right there. Come on. Boy, I, I don't want to... Okay, I want to stay as... Notice they're coming out of the side of Jesus. The church was born out of the side of Jesus when his side was pierced. Adam was put to sleep and out of his side was taken a rib. And with the rib, the woman was made out of the side of Jesus. The church came the new Eve. So there's a lot in this. There's a lot in this, all right? This thing was full of oil. What's the oil a type of? The Holy Ghost. Because he died. Well, because he, he was buried and he rose again. Then he could pour out his spirit on all flesh. Do you understand that? We have the glory of God inside of us right now. That's why if you'll be led by the spirit, you are the sons of God. Because on the inside of you, 
the light of the glory of God is going off. And you're trying to make a decision in your life. And all of a sudden, on the inside of you, the light goes on. Now listen. Man, say, I don't want to get... Say, the Spirit of God produces light. Say, the Spirit of God produces sound. Remember on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out? Who is the Holy Spirit? God. Well, the Spirit that was poured out was called the Spirit of Christ in Romans 8. So when I got the Holy Ghost, I didn't get the third person in the Trinity. I got the Spirit of the living God that was in Jesus Christ. And what happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost, the oil, was poured out from the main shaft? What happened? Ah, the Spirit produced the fire. The oil produced the fire. And there came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. The wind didn't come. A sound like wind came. So that the Spirit produced the sound and the Spirit of God produced the fire so that those are manifestations of the Spirit of Jesus. He is Pentecost. Jesus is the Spirit of Pentecost. He's the Holy Ghost. And Jesus produces a sound. The sound. Come on. Let me explain to you what I'm saying. The Spirit produces a sound. The Spirit produces the fire. The tongues of fire that set upon their heads. Tongues of fire. Spirit produces it. Which means this. That whenever the Word of God goes forth, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God takes the Word of God. And when the Spirit of God hits your heart and hits your life... And you get a revelation. The light comes on. On the inside. And you get a revelation. When the light comes on on the inside. And you get that revelation. Then there's a sound. That's why I'm saying. That when you really got the Holy Ghost. You can't just sit there. Because the Holy Ghost produces fire and it produces a sound. And when the word goes forth, all of a sudden the light goes on on the inside of you and you start producing a sound. But remember, light, light travels faster than sound. So you get the revelation quicker than we hear the sound. Is everybody with me here? Okay, so this, this oil in here is a type of what? The Spirit of God, right? There's the fire. See what I'm saying? The wicks in the fire. Oh, come on. Don't look at me like this is so hard. These are the ABCs, man. I'm not teaching you the Greek language or Hebrew. I don't know either one of them. I'm giving you the ABCs. So don't sit there and look at me like this is so hard to understand. This is God's preschool. This is, ses- this is God's Sesame Street. Easy to understand. Don't let the devil tell you you can't understand. Easy to understand. Praise the Lord. 
See, the devil wants you to want you to stay ignorant. He wants to tell you you can't learn. You know what I'm talking about? Don't listen to him. He's gonna tell you you can't know. You can't increase your knowledge. That's a lie. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm understanding. I can understand. No problem. No problem. See, I think that's one reason why God uses me because I have an education that is equivalent of a high school diploma and that's it. But I never listened to the devil when he told me I couldn't preach. I never listened to the devil when he told me I couldn't teach. Now, yeah, now, come on. I, yeah, some of you are saying, well, well didn't you take a little, some college courses? Just a few, that's it. But I kind of got bored with that. trying to tell you something today you can have an illumination of the spirit and God when they saw the disciples they said these men are ignorant and unlearned men but they turned the world upside down I've never listened to the lies of the devil that told me I could not understand it could not know So look at your name and say, these are the ABCs. Are you getting it? Isn't God good? All right. So the oil in here is what? Holy Ghost. Well, there's seven of these in the book of Revelation, right? Jesus in the midst of them. What does he say these seven uh, candelabras are? Church. Of the living God. Say the church of the living God. So I am the anointed of God. The church of God is the anointed of God. We are anointed by His Holy Spirit. You understand that? Have you ever been around somebody saying, Well, I. They got the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost in the early church and spoke with tongues of fire. Or had tongues of fire, spoke with tongues, right? But you can't get it in our day. How many of y'all ever heard that foolishness? Speaking in tongues was for the early church, but not for us. Oh, really? Is that right? Well, when you study church history, there are seven churches in the book of Revelation. The church of Ephesus, and it ends with the church of Laodicea. That is a picture of church history from the day of Pentecost. Those early apostles all the way to the last days. And the oil flows just like it did in the early church. It flows all the way over into the seventh. It flows in the seventh one, just like it flowed in the first one. It flows in the seventh one, just like the second and the third and the fourth. All through church history, the Holy Ghost is going to be poured out with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. It's for us today. So you come and tell me it's not for us today. You're too late. I already have it. But sir, you were raised in this. No, I wasn't. 
Are you with me? Okay. Now, the 66 pieces here total represent what? Well, we have 66 books of the Bible inspired by the Spirit of the living God. Which means the Apocrypha is not inspired. The Pseudepigrapha is not inspired. But what I have is inspired. And there's pretty neat stuff in the Apocrypha, you know, etc. But this is the Word of God to you today. This is God's living Word to you today. And the oil flows through it. Which makes it alive. Wake me up when y'all wake up. I know some of y'all had a rough night. Y'all got babies and babies and babies and babies. <laughs> well, so did I. And you expected me to get with it. I could, all right, well, I had my baby kept me up last night. I can't preach very much, you know. I get no sleep. See, God's been talking to me about some of y'all. I wonder if some of y'all even got the Holy Ghost. See, I want to hear some of you speak in tongues. I haven't heard some of you speak in tongues in a long time. So God said, you need to go check them out and see if they really got the Holy Ghost. Because, they, they, you know, they need to have some oil flowing in their life. They need to have some. Because if they got the oil flowing, they're going to have the light shining. If they got the light shining, then they're going to have a sound. See, when I got the Spirit of God, I got the gold. I got the deity. I didn't get the second person. The Spirit of a living God. You know, Sister Sandra over there, you know, she's real quiet, sitting over there in the pew. But you get her behind one of these microphones to sing, and she's a different person. Oh! She'll get up there and say, come on. You know. Sleeps on my preaching, but gets with it during the singing. I don't understand that, but I'm praying for her. How can you do that, sister? I don't know, just the Holy Ghost. <laughs> God's good, isn't he? Oh, God. How many of y'all believe the Holy Ghost is for us today? How many of y'all believe we have the Word of God today? Some people said, well, it's not really all God's Word. I mean, some of it's men's words. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If it was men that wrote this book, they would have left out a lot of things. They would have, they would have left out lying, cheating, stealing, cussing, adultery, fornication. They left all that out. This is God's holy Word. And it's not just words on a page, but it's a living, vibrant, vital word of God. See, see, I'm becoming more aware of this. 
you know, because I've been listening to the radio broadcasts on the radio some Sunday mornings. And I'm telling you, man, it's putting me on my face. It's convicting me. So it's helping me understand. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting a little bit more understanding. Hallelujah. Of how powerful this word is when it goes forth. So I have to be careful with this word. Because if, if I'm not careful, I can cut you apart with this thing. Because it's a living sword. It's alive. Not just words on a page. It has the ability to, give, to bring death or to bring life. Now I want to execute it on the on the enemy's head and I want to defeat sin I want to cut sin to pieces but listen to me it has the ability to bring life to those that believe my God's awesome Jesus said I'm the light of the world if God is the light then how can Jesus be the light he's God do you understand this it's all because of his death and his resurrection that we can experience the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is for us today. Now look at verse 38. The tongues thereof and the snuffish thereof shall be a pure gold. Say pure gold. Pure gold. Hallelujah. Mm. Say three times four. Three times four. It's twelve. Oh, wow. Who produces the fruit, the gifts of the Spirit? Twelve gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians. Twelve. Huh? Right there, we have in the Old Testament tabernacle law a picture of the of the gifts of the Spirit. Twelve gifts of the Spirit. We have nine over here on this side. Oh, it speaks to us of the fruit of the Spirit, the fruitfulness of the Spirit. It's all there. Isn't God awesome? Give God a hand clap. Right here in the top of this candle stick. Here we have our high priest in Revelation 1.20, standing in the midst of seven golden candlesticks, is the translation there, candelabra. What is he doing? What's he doing this morning in this church? How many people, how many wicks do I have in the oil right now? Jesus said, you and me and I and you. See, you, you can't see it right now, but I'm floating up to my neck and all, man. I'm really floating. I'm really submerged, actually, from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I'm, I'm swimming around in all right now. It's the Holy Ghost. I'm the you know, before I started preaching, and I, I was wondering about anointing. You know, they used to talk about preachers getting anointed. I said, what in the world is that? What does that mean? You know? And one, one person put it in a real good, he wrote, it, wrote about it. I still didn't really understand, but he said, it, your tongue just starts feeling slick like oil. <laughs> I said, that's good, but I still don't understand. But when you get an anointing, you know what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, things start moving in the Spirit. Things start coming out of you. That's the Spirit of the living God. 
you start saying things you don't know anything about about people you don't know anything about you start preaching things you don't know the situations of people or the circumstances or where they come from or what they're about but God knows it and an anointing comes on and the word goes forth and it's powerful that's why we have to have an anointing see the gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit they're seen but here we are we're in this oil look at your neighbor and say I'm the wick in the oil and the oil's in me and I'm burning can't you see look at your neighbor and see if they're burning right now oh my 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 were you, able to, were you able to even see your neighbor? <laughs> I'm not making fun. This is for everybody, okay? It's a gift. It's a, it's a gift for all of us. I wouldn't be burning. I wouldn't be on a light right now if God's Spirit wasn't in me and I am the Spirit. I can't produce the light. If I did, it wouldn't be true. Okay. Each one of these wicks were burning, right? The high priest would walk in there. He'd have to trim those wicks. You have to cut them. I mean, because a burnt wick doesn't produce very much light. It just sits there and smokes. Come on. I've been there. I've been a wick. I was in the old oil in me, but I was just smoking. That's all. No light. No light coming forth, man. Smoke. Maybe just a little bit of light. The high priest says, we'll cut that off. That's last week's victory. Uh, that's what happened in yesterday's prayer meeting. Come on, you with me? See, you can't live on last week's victory. You can't live on last week's anointing. That's why the high priest is going to keep cutting on you and cutting on you and cutting on you so that you can shine brightly. I can't say well God I served you last week I obeyed your, your word last week but this week I think I'll just you know pass <laughs> God said no that's last week I cut, I've already cut last week's work and service off today's another day you have to serve me I'm going to cut you off and I'm going to put you in this snuff dish snuff box in a gold snuff box I'm going to keep you there. Hallelujah. So what God is saying is this. What you did in the past is not forgotten by me. I keep it in my gold box. And it's burnt. And it can't burn today. But it's not forgotten. And when you stand before the Lord someday in eternity, everything you've ever done by way of service to the glory of God, He's going to pull it out of the gold box of His remembrance and say, You did this for me. You did this for me. You did this for me. But I had to keep you burning bright continually. So I had to keep on cutting on you. I had to keep on working on you. So you wouldn't just sit there and smoke. You would be a bright light to the nations. And there is a sevenfold anointing that we see in this. Isaiah 11 verse 2 tells us about this sevenfold anointing. And God, we need to let God use us. 
Are y'all with me? But that means I'm going to do some cutting on you. How many of y'all like the cutting? Go to Isaiah 11. Let me show you something. I'm almost there. Praise God. Say spirit and truth. You've got to have both to overcome the flesh, the world and the devil. But you have everything you, you need to be victorious. Okay, look at Isaiah 11, please. And uh, we will start with verse 1. There shall come forth a root out of the stem. Uh oh. Are you with me? The Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord, say one, shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom, say two, and understanding, three. Spirit of counsel, four, might, five, knowledge, six. Spirit of the Lord, seven. The sevenfold working of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Whoa. Now get ready. There's different levels of anointing. Different levels of ability and responsibility. Are you here? You might, I don't know. You might want to. You might not. Say seven types of anointing. Look, in your calling, the Spirit draws you. Say the Spirit draws you. Number two, say in tribulation. There's an anointing in tribulation. When was David anointed? When he was in trouble. So you've got to have an anointing when you're in trouble, in tribulation. David, I've got to anoint you in trouble if I'm going to use you to be a king over my people. You need this. I say, you need this. How many God drew you by His Spirit? How many of y'all have trouble? There's an anointing for trouble to make you usable. Do you understand? Number three, an anointing in authority. All authority, Jesus said, is given to me. Go ye therefore. With me? So we have an anointing to go out and go ye therefore and preach this gospel to every creature. He's given us authority. Man, I, this... Am I the only one that's doing anything to you? The religious world's not going to want what you got, but go with an anointing and with authority and preach it. Ezekiel, they don't want to hear you, but you have an anointing of authority on your life. Are you here? There is an anointing for spiritual gifts. The anointing for spiritual gifts is the empowerment of God's kingdom. It's the supernatural. You know what I'm saying? How many of y'all ever heard gifts and interpretation of tongues? Or gifts, gifts of the Spirit. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. Prophecy. How many of y'all ever seen a miracle? That's an anointing. Did you understand? Alright, then there's an anointing to preach. That's what Ezekiel had. Ezekiel chapter 2. The Spirit of God was upon that man. Anointing to preach, that's five. You with me? Hallelujah. 
Do you see this? I'm trying to show you this seven. Ezekiel, they're not going to want to hear you preach, but I have anointed you. You're going to act out all kinds of crazy things in front of them, and they're not going to care. You're going to lose your wife. She's going to die. And you're not going to mourn over her death. The sad thing is nobody's going to ask you why. Nobody cares. But I have anointed you to preach even if they don't want to hear it. And they don't care. I, God, am weeping over my nation Israel who is my wife. Because of their sin. And they don't care. Do you understand? All right. Praise the Lord. Number six. After that, anointing to preach. Then there's an anointing to preach over nations. God, listen to me. If you're faithful in your call to preach, that God can anoint you to not just preach to a local congregation, but He can anoint you to preach to the nations. That's the next level of anointing. And the final level of anointing is the God uses you to resurrect. Or God uses you to see the dead raised up in your ministry. You see that? So I, oh man, God's good. Let me give you the verse for that one, Romans 8 and 11. It'll give you also the anointing to be resurrected. So that's the, oh, okay, well, I don't, there we go, right there. Spirit of God, burning brightly. We're the wicks, anointed wicks, in the oil, and the oil is in us. But there's different levels of anointing. See, He wants to take you further than just saving your soul. He wants to use you in ministry. I'm not telling you everybody is called to be a pastor, but I am telling you everybody's called to preach. You are called to go out there and teach this gospel, to preach this gospel wherever you go. You are called to be a minister of the living God, not just a pastor. He wants to use you in the gifts of the Spirit. He wants to fill you with the fruit of the Spirit, not just a preacher, but He wants you to be used. Okay, let's go to Zechariah. I'm almost through. Some of y'all getting tired on me, so. Zechariah chapter 4. Look at this. Do you understand that right now, we are, the church is, this candelabra. We are anointed, filled with the Holy Ghost. He's working on us. He's cutting our wicks, so we'll shine brighter and brighter and brighter. you understand I want to show you something even see some evangelists when they go and preach they preach the same message every church they go to but because they preach that message the church time before when they come into a new situation it doesn't mean that they don't have to spend time in prayer it doesn't mean that they don't have to spend time back in that message and feeding eating it digesting it it doesn't matter if they preach it a thousand times. 
You have to go back in there. You have to reread, restudy, and pray over that thing. Because you cannot burn brightly. Come on. All right, Zechariah 4, let's look at this. And the angel that talked with me came again and walked, waked me as a man that wakened out of his sleep. God, that's scary when the prophet's asleep. Thank God it was just in a physical though. It said unto me, What seest thou? I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof. Okay? So we got this seven golden candlestick, and we've got these pipes that are going over into the tops of them. Okay? You with me? And the Bible says, And two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. And I answered to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said, uh, said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. What's going to accomplish the work of the kingdom is not your natural ability. What's going to accomplish the work in the kingdom is an anointing of the Spirit. It's not how good you can play that guitar. It's not how good you can sing. It's not how good you can talk or how educated you are. You've got to have it a spiritual anointing. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof, shouting, crying, Grace, grace unto him. Look at this. Any obstacles that stand in your way by the Spirit of the living God, I'll cause that obstacle to be flattened by the Spirit of the living God. What happens in my kingdom is not through natural ability alone. It's by my spirit. Whatever tries to hinder my kingdom, I will flatten by my spirit. Well, I'm glad I'm on the winning side. The enemy doesn't stand a chance. When that anointing, that spirit of God begins to move and that anointing comes on you, the enemy doesn't stand a chance against the church of the living God. You're going to bring forth the headstone crying, Grace, Grace. You're going to rebuild that temple, Zerubbabel and Joshua. Zachariah's prophesying. They're discouraged. Come on. God said, I'll tell you how you're going to build that temple. It's by my spirit. And anything that stands in the way of Zerubbabel and Joshua, he said, I'm going to flatten it. Now listen. The two witnesses he's talking about is Zerubbabel and Joshua at this point. Okay? Give God praise. Say grace, grace. Oh, now we're moving into the church age. Grace, grace. With me? We're in the church age now. Look. Well, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hand shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. 
Why? Because He is the author and the finisher of our faith. For who hath despised the day of small things? Come on. Oh, I don't want to teach Sunday school class. I want to preach in the pulpit. I don't want to, I don't want to teach whole Bible studies. I want to preach in the pulpit. My pastor said, here's your, here's your scrub brush for the toilet, man. You're called to preach? Here's a scrub brush. You're called to lead the choir? Here's a scrub brush. Despise not the day of small things. With me? Notice. All right. For they shall rejoice. They shall rejoice. Say, they shall rejoice. Shall see the plummet in the hand of rule with, his, with these seven. Say, these, those seven. Those seven. <laughs> they are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro throughout the whole earth. There were seven eyes in that stone that they call grace, grace. That stone is Jesus Christ. And the seven eyes is his omniscience. And the spirit of God is his omnipotent, his power. So through his knowledge and his power, he's going to perform it. Keep looking at that. I'm not off the subject. Now notice. The scripture says in verse 11, Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? Hmm. Now remember, this was an almond tree. But beside it, olive trees. Pouring oil into the top of it. You see that? Now the scripture says in verse 12, And I answered again, said unto him, what be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? The Spirit of God. See that? It's flowing. He answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. These are my two witnesses. They're Joshua and Zerubbabel in the Old Testament trying to rebuild the temple. But they are a type of that which is to come. I'll have two witnesses in the tribulation period. Come on, you with me? But in between... Okay, let's look at Revelation 11. I don't know why I feel like I'm losing you, but... Do you see that whenever Zerubbabel and Joshua... And they were trying to build the temple of God in the Old Testament, rebuild it. They had opposition. So God said, by my spirit, it will be accomplished. And the enemies that are trying to stop it will be defeated by my spirit. Come on. And I'm going to use my two witnesses to accomplish the building of this temple. Revelation 11. There was given me a reed like unto a rod. The angel stood saying, rise and measure, say, the temple of God. And the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. The last three and a half years of the tribulation period. I will give power unto my two witnesses. Look. And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred three score days. 
clothed in sackcloth. With me? These are the two olive trees. The two candlesticks. Now you got nine instead of seven. We got two more candlesticks right there. So the two olive trees now, the Lord says, are two candlesticks also. So you've got nine. You add two to the seven, and you've got nine candlesticks. Are you with me? And these two witnesses are associated with the building of the temple. Just as Joshua and Zerubbabel were associated with the rebuilding of the other temple in the Old Testament. So when is the temple going to be rebuilt? And by who? It's going to have to be when those two witnesses are raised up by God. Come by the tribulation temple. Come on. And it's going to be accomplished by this spirit of the living God. Now, okay, let me show you. Right now, then, according to Revelation 1.20, we are this golden candlestick. We are the anointed of the living God. Not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. If you'll just get full of the Holy Ghost, God will do more through thee than you than you can ever accomplish on your own. And you got enemies and opposition because there's always opposition in God, against God's work. But he said, I'll even take care of them. Now, so, we are the anointed ones right now. You see that? Okay. Now, in the tribulation period, God's going to have two witnesses that are going to rise up, and they are the anointed of the living God. And they're going to preach, and the temple is going to be rebuilt. You understand what I'm trying to show you here? Now, this is very interesting. So that we end up with nine total. Right? Romans chapter 11 tells me that I'm grafted into the olive tree. And Israel is. So we've got, we got so many types here. We've got types of two witnesses in the Old Testament. Zerubbabel and Joshua that are anointed by God to build his kingdom up. Come on. We have the church now that's involved in being anointed by God to be a light to the world and a sound to the world to build His kingdom up, not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And any opposition that comes against His church will fail. But in the church age, this is very awesome, we the Gentiles have already come in. We're one olive. There's another olive. It's not separate from us. It's Israel. They're going to come in too. Two witnesses, the church in Israel. God's going to bring back Israel and put them back in their rightful place as the anointed of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. The fact that right now God is beginning to move among the nation of Israel lets me know that we're in the last days. Now this is interesting. This is interesting. Nine seems to be more the number of the New Testament church age than the number seven. The nine fruit of the Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying here? All I'm trying to tell you without getting too confused and getting you too confused is that everything that God spoke prophetically and typically is coming to pass right now. 
And when this anointed, the church goes home. When the church goes home, then God's going to raise those two witnesses up. And then they're going to preach in the tribulation period. But the church is going to go home first. And then the natural branch is going to be put back in. You see that? You just got to keep your eyes on the heavens. All right. Go to Revelation 5, 6. Now, if you want that in real heavy detail, then get the type on Zechariah chapter 4. Okay, Revelation 5, 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and one of the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. But before he uses those two witnesses, he's going to take the anointed church out of this world you with me are you with me and you don't see that anointed church until you get to the end of the in the book of revelation revelation 19 you see them coming back that's why we have to go we have to leave we have to leave before those two witnesses are anointed praise god it's an exciting time Aren't you glad? For what Jesus did for us. He died, was buried, rose again, poured out His Spirit on us. Is the oil flowing through your life right now. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, it's for you. You may not understand everything I said today. It doesn't really, you don't have to understand everything. It takes very little for you to understand to be filled with the Spirit. You just have to believe that Jesus died for you on a cross. Was beaten for you and came alive and poured out his spirit and it's for all flesh and all you got to do is repent of your sins and ask god to fill you with the holy ghost and he'll fill you right where you sit or right where you stand he wants to anoint you but he doesn't want to just save you he wants to use you let's stand lord i thank you right now that your spirit is inside of me it is leading it is guiding me it's like the light that is shining off the letters of the Hebrew alphabet telling me this is the way. Walk ye in it. It is an anointing, God, not just to save me, but it is an anointing for ministry. You want to use this church, God. You want to anoint this church to reach this world, Father. And Lord Jesus, before we go home and those two witnesses stand up in the tribulation period. And the temple is rebuilt. Let us fulfill our purpose in this world to win the lost and bring them into your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, right now for the spirit of the living God that is in our midst right now. That we not only have the truth, but we have the spirit of God. And Lord, therefore, we can go and fellowship one with another at the table of showbread because of the light and understanding that you have given us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Lift your hands and give God praise. Give Him thanks.
Hallelujah. Lord, I take right now some of the incense. And I offer it to you right now upon the holy altar. I thank you for the showbread. Thank you for the light. Jesus, you're awesome. You're awesome. Jesus. God, let us not be as in the days of Samuel. The light of the candlestick is about to go out. Anoint us, let us shine brightly. In the name of Jesus. Let us not just have the types and the shadows, but let us have the spiritual reality. For they that worship you, worship you in spirit and in truth. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to Glory, 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 glory. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Save Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you, God. Master and Savior. I worship you, God. You're keeping us on the table by your power, by your hand. Your light is shining in our hearts and our lives right now, Father God. We don't walk in darkness any longer. Thank you for the spirit of the living God that is in us. We might see, that we might overcome this flesh. We might overcome the world, God, in your precious name. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, even in the Feast of Dedication, Feast of Lights, you have allowed to prefigure the church age what you're doing. Those eight candles, God, that burn represent eight days of the burning of the lights on one day's supply of oil with the main shaft being yourself representing nine. The Feast of Dedication, Lord Jesus, we thank you for shadows and pictures the day and the hour in which you live. You have done a new thing you have brought a blessing into the world. And now, Lord Jesus, we speak grace, grace, that headstone. Lord God, that through your anointing and by your grace, that there would be a work accomplished in these days, Lord of the church, as it will be done in the future days of the tribulation period. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God.
Glory to your name, Jesus. Praise God.